Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host, Stan McCune, your host, as always, here Selling Greenville, realtor here in the upstate, and as I always say, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes, should you need to reach me for any reason. And as well, if you like this show, please subscribe, please leave a rating, please leave a review. I appreciate all of that, all of you that have done that. Download episodes, that helps in some weird way as well. All these different things help uh, to boost the show in the algorithms, algorithms with a Z because I'm cool. Um, That helps uh, the show in different ways I don't understand. Um, So please do those things. Now today, um, I am taking a little bit of a risk here. My children are due back any moment now. Um, They've been out with their mother doing different things. And I've got a puppy uh, right here by my side who I'm currently occupying with a new uh, chewing thing, which at the moment has her occupied, but you might hear some munching in the background. I'm I'm trying to adjust my mic in a way that you won't hear that. Um, but I don't know what she's going to do. Puppies are a bit of a loose cannon. Um, so we'll just have to see. I don't do a lot of heavy editing to this podcast because I quite frankly, I just don't have time. Um, and I'm trying to squeeze this in here, which is why I'm doing all of this, uh, in this little, uh, pocket of time that I have, because I haven't had any time, uh, this week to do it. Uh, so hopefully you guys can bear with me if there are some weird noises. A lot of planes taking off as well, as you guys that are longtime listeners know. Um, I'm literally right by the airport. Um, so you'll probably hear some of that in the background. But uh, anyway, just bear with me uh, with the things that you hear this week. A little bit different uh, situation than normal. Today's episode is about improving your house and over-improving your house. Now... The, the concept of over-improving your house might be a new concept to some of my listeners. I, I don't know. Some of you are probably very knowledgeable about this topic, and, and some of you maybe have never thought about it or, or maybe only have limited understanding of it. Uh, but we have, obviously, a lot of misunderstandings, and I find this out when I talk to people um, just about things that they've done to their houses. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what improving your house actually does in terms of of adding value to your house. And we, we've talked about this in the past. I think I had an episode where I kind of went through uh, specifics of this. Um, I'm, I'm bringing this topic back because I think it's an important one to consider and I have some some additional information to, to cover uh, relative to this topic. But I keep running into this, that um, people that have done improvements to their home don't really fully understand what those improvements, how those improvements actually impact their home value. Um, and it's not always how you think, to be completely honest. And, and I think that there are a lot of different uh, factors for that. Um, I think that one factor is, uh, one cause of this is all these house flipping shows and uh, magazines that talk about uh, you know, improving your house, all these different things, they make it seem like you always get back so much more money than you put in. You know, I see some of the numbers on some of these HGTV shows and it's like, 
kitchen remodel, $30,000 added 60,000 of value. And it's like, okay, that $30,000 reno is baloney. That costs way more. And then that it it doubled the value of the house Mm, or or the value. It was double the value of what they put in. Mm, Probably not Um, possible, but probably not. Um, So there's a lot of misinformation out there just on the basis of those uh, shows and and different websites and different magazines and whatnot. Um, and, And it's caused some confusion. And of course, everyone knows someone that flips houses and they just, they think that they understand, um, uh, outsiders that have never flipped a house think that they understand how it works. That it's just, you buy a cheap house, you update all these different things, and then you sell it for way, way, way more than you bought it and updated it for. And those of us that flip houses on a regular basis understand that that's not how it works. Unfortunately, it just, it doesn't quite work that way. Um, and the dirty reality is, that when you look at the averages, when you look at the actual data, you actually do not get back dollar for dollar. On average, there are exceptions, but on average, you don't get back dollar for dollar what you put into your home improvements. Now, before I go any further, probably some of you are like, what? That, that doesn't make sense. Google it. Google something like best home improvements to increase value or home improvements to um, increase ROI, something like that. And you'll see a bunch of different things come up there. Um, Honestly, one of the better ones is uh, a top hit by Zillow, uh, an article that they wrote that actually outlines how the highest ROI, return on investment, that you get for improvements to your house on average are in the low 90%. In other words, 90 cents to the dollar. So if you put in, you know, $100 into your house on a project, on average, you do really, really well if you just added $90 of value to the house by doing that $100 improvement. Now, there there is an exception to this because obviously this doesn't make sense, right? Because how do flippers make any money if you always only get, if the highest you do is get 90 cents to the dollar for improvements that you make to the house. And so here's the thing. There there is something that those numbers don't take into account, and that is that sometimes improving one space or improving one part of a house improves the entire house. It doesn't just improve that one space. Um, So for instance, if you have a great house with a really ugly kitchen, Improving the kitchen will improve the entire home value, right? So it's possible that you could get back more than dollar for dollar what you put into a kitchen in that instance because it impacts so many other things. Taking down walls to, to change the layout, that might be the most common one because you get a house that just has a terrible layout and you completely... Uh, change the layout, put in the work to, to change it and to make it more functional, um, that's an example of an improvement that very likely is going to disproportionately improve the value of, of that entire house, not just the walls. Yes, you're making improvements to the layout, but improving the layout improves 
the entire way that uh, a potential buyer views the house. Um, but all that said, there is a danger that a lot of people haven't thought about that we, we I introduced uh, a few minutes ago, and that's the idea of over-improving your home. You can absolutely over-improve your home. Now, over-improving happens in this way. It happens when you do updates to a home that make it so much nicer than all the other homes in the area to the point that nobody will pay the extra amount for those improvements. Now, I can give a gazillion examples of this. Let's let's give a, a big example and that well, let's give a small example and then let's give a big example. A small example would be over improving like your granite. If you're in a community that just has builder grade granite countertops and you're like, mm, I don't want that builder grade granite countertop, um, granite countertop. I want the highest end quartz. Well, yeah, that's that's great. You can get rid of all that granite and put in high end quartz. But the average person that comes in there, they might like the quartz. They might think, oh, this is really nice. Are they going to pay extra, substantially extra for that house? You know, you might have spent ten thousand dollars on the quartz. Are you going to get back ten? Did did you just make your house? $10,000 more valuable than an identical house that has the builder grade granite. No, you did not. You're not going to get that $10,000 back. I'm sorry. People are, trust me, people are, are not going to go in there and look at that and be like, oh, I get it. I get the value of that quartz. That This home is worth so much more because of that. There's got to be more to it than that to, uh, to recapture all of that value. As I said before, it's got to really change the functionality of the house uh, or the entire appeal of the house in some way. Um, a, a clearer, a, a bigger picture or more dramatic example is um, not too long ago, I had a, a fun experience walking through a very dangerous church that was for sale um, in the Judson area of Greenville. Um, now, if you know anything about Judson, it's in the path of progress. It's over there by our hospitals here in Greenville. Um, it's very close to downtown. There, there's a lot of stuff that I think is going to happen there in the future. But right now, the area is it's just a little bit run down. It's in the path of progress, but it just hasn't gotten there yet. And so I looked at this church building, and I was looking at it with a buddy of mine, Ian. We were both thinking, you know, is there a play here to maybe convert this into multifamily or do different things? I mean, this church was in rough shape. When, you know, we had run-ins with black widows and brown recluses and the walls of the church were, uh, were pulling apart and about to collapse and floors were about to collapse and ceilings were about to collapse. I mean, literally everything was about to collapse. Um, so what's, so someone, it ended up actually selling. It sold for like $25,000, something ridiculous like that, which is honestly a fair price. Uh, given that the the structure held pretty much no value, it was just the value of the land. Um, so so what if I bought that, and then I I demoed that you know that shell of a church building, and then went in and built a house that would normally sell in the Augusta Circle Elementary area, the Augusta Circle area, for like eight hundred thousand dollars. Would I be able to get eight hundred thousand dollars? 
for that same house in the Judson area. And everyone knows, no, obviously not. Location, 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 right? Um, but here's the thing. Not only would I not get $800,000, I wouldn't get $700,000. I wouldn't get $600,000. I probably wouldn't get $500,000. I might be sitting at like half of 800. I might be sitting at like $400,000 because that would be a, a nice house like that would be so much nicer than all the other houses. People aren't going to be willing to pay the premium for that house because of how much nicer it is than all the other houses in the area. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? If, if you've got the money to be able to afford that nice of a house, an $800,000 house, you're typically going to want to go to an area that has other, let's just face it. I'm not saying that this is right. This is human nature. This is how gentrification happens. You're going to want to be around other people that can afford $800,000 houses. There, I said it. I'm not, not justifying it. That is just human nature. That's just the way people are. And not just that, but you don't want to, to be around other rundown houses, other, other homes that uh, don't look as nice as yours. There's just a lot of factors. That's how HOAs come, come into power and how HOAs have so much sway. It's because homeowners, they want everyone else's homes to look just as nice as theirs. And so they form these HOAs and make them really strict and give people best lawn of the month awards and all these things to try to motivate them. Um, the reality is that people want to, they're, they're willing to pay a, a premium up to a certain extent as long as it's conforming to the neighborhood. It has to conform to the neighborhood. Once you start doing updates to a home that are, way more than the neighborhood, um, you start to run into problems. Now, there is one very noteworthy exception, and that is in a rapidly gentrifying area, right? In a rapidly gentrifying area, for instance, you know, that area around like Unity Park right now. I, who knows what's going to happen in the end around there, but I imagine that there's, we're going to see some crazy things real estate-wise happening in that Uni Park area. Parts of the West End, parts of you know Sterling, areas like that that are so close to, to downtown Greenville, those are so rapidly gentrifying that, that you'll see people throw up you know homes that are um, way more expensive than we've ever seen in some, on some of these streets and end up selling them and making good money. Um, that's the exception. It's not the rule. Um, and particularly when you end up in production built neighborhoods and, and this is, you know, we have a ton of these production built neighborhoods, these, these neighborhoods where, you know, a single builder like Mungo or SK or Meritage, um, or Ryan or Dan Ryan, or who knows, you know, I could rattle off a bunch more names. Um, they just build a bunch of homes that look very similar, right? At the end of the day. Um, if you're in a production built neighborhood where like all these homes have kind of builder grade finishes and you go into a home at, we've, we've used the example of like upgrading the granite. Okay. That's a minor example, but let's say that you put an incredible luxury pool oasis in the backyard, like something that you would find in like a million dollar house, right? It costs you like $200,000 to do this. Um, really, really nice. And you love it. Everyone loves it. Um, it's really incredible. Um, 
you know, you're the you're the eye of the entire neighborhood. Everyone wants to come over all the time to be in this pool and and to experience this oasis and to you know grill on your green egg and and do all these different things. Um, will that pool add value to the house? Absolutely, that pool is going to add some good value to the house. It is not going to add two hundred thousand dollars of value to the house. If you paid two hundred thousand to put that in there, it is not going to bring back two hundred thousand dollars. It simply is not going to. Because here's the thing: think about this logically. The person that is looking for a sweet luxury pool oasis isn't typically looking for a production-built neighborhood with builder-grade everything else. The person that is typically looking for a house with high-end courts isn't typically looking to be in a production-built house. And so this is the thing. You can pull up all day homes with luxury pool oases. Um, notice that I, I, I did the correct plural of oasis. It's oases. I just want to point that out. Um, you can, you can pull up a bunch of, of homes that sold with, with luxury pool oases um, in custom homes and then try to compare them to your home in a production-built neighborhood that, that has a luxury oasis like that. And it's not comparable because custom homes do not compare to production-built homes. They're treated differently by the market. It is a completely different kind of buyer for a custom home than for a production-built type of home. And, and that's a very important point to understand. Um, that is that is lost on a lot of people. So you have to be careful, particularly if you are in a production built neighborhood. That is, Those are the people that are most at risk of over improving your home. You get the highest end appliances, great. You are not going to get dollar for dollar back for those appliances what you put into them. It is that simple. People that are, you know, if you're in a home where the average sale price is $300,000 and you have an appliance package that costs you $20,000, you are absolutely not going to get back $20,000 for that appliance package because it's just not, those people that are looking to buy a $300,000 house, they're, they don't care about having a $20,000 appliance package. Like that's going to be an added bonus. But it, they're not going to buy your house. They're not going to pay a premium for that. They're just looking for a $300,000 house that has 1,800 square feet, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, and a bonus room. Um, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, but, but, let's say, hypothetically, that you, you did these different improvements. The luxury pool and the, and the high-end appliance package and all of this in the production built neighborhood and you just happened to find a buyer that actually wants to be in one of these middle of the road suburban neighborhoods and have all of these updates and appreciates the value and says, you know what, you put $250,000 into this $300,000 home, I'm gonna give you $550,000 for this home. There's never been a home in this neighborhood that sold for more than 350, but I'm gonna give you 550 because I see that you put all that money into it. Um, and so you go under contract and then you get an appraisal done. And oh boy, you guys know my opinion on appraisers. I do not have a great opinion <laughs> on, on our appraisers in, in this area. However, however, 
I, I have to side with them a bit on how they would handle some of this, okay? So, if you talk to, and I'm sorry, you can hear my phone going off here. Let me turn that off. I always turn my volume off, and I just forgot to this time because I'm, I'm so distracted with my puppy gnawing on stuff and waiting for my kids to barge in at any moment here. I talked to an appraiser. Let's just cut to the chase. I talked to an appraiser friend of mine and just posed this question to him. What happens in the situation where you do a dramatic over-improvement uh, to your home? And here is what he said. Now, we were t talking about a dramatic over-improvement, putting on an, kind of more like that luxury pool oasis type of idea, not, not necessarily the granite and all of that that we talked about. So there are levels to this. The more extreme you get with your over-improvement, the worse in terms of, of your return on investment, your ROI. Um, the more basic, um, then the more likely you are. And, and you'll notice that if you, if you follow what I said and you Google um, the, the value adds for these uh, home improvements, like I said before, you'll notice that, that you know, upgrading your garage door, for instance, is, is one of the best ROI improvements. Well, that is... Um, Bo the most boring thing you could possibly do, but that's one of those things that gets you back uh, close to dollar for dollar what you put into it. Anyway, I posed this question to the appraiser. We were talking about an extreme over-improvement. What would that appraise for? How would an appraiser look at it? And he said that generally speaking, an appraiser would give that improvement about 30 to 40% of its cost in value back to the house. In other words, if that improvement cost $100,000, it would add about thirty dollars to $40,000 in value to the house. Not good. Not good. Um, and again, you have to think about this, is that improvement dramatically altering the use of the house or is it simply a nice to have? That's, that is a, a crucial distinguishing aspect here. If it's just a nice to have, it's not going to add as much value to the market and also to an appraiser. If it actually um, completely changes the utility of the house, then at that point, the appraiser is going to factor, factor it in more. The market is going to factor it in more in terms of how they consider it improving the, the value of the house. And so I actually agree with appraisers on this. I agree that generally speaking, buyers are going to look at these major over-improvements and they're going to conclude it's not worth that. I, I'm not going to pay in a neighborhood that frequently sells for $350,000. i am not going to pay $550,000 just because they have this incredible backyard. That's just the reality of the situation. Now, all of that to say, I want to end with this. Money is not everything. It's not. And I, and I think the last time we had this conversation, um, I, I said something very similarly. Um, money isn't the only return on investment that you get when you're improving your home. Sometimes you over-improve a house because you want to. You want to. And you don't care about what it's going to be worth in the end. You just want that improvement. And remember, very, very few things impact your lifestyle 
more than your house. Your house impacts so many aspects of your lifestyle. I did an entire podcast on this called Your House is Your Lifestyle. It impacts so many different things. And if you can upgrade your lifestyle by upgrading your house, you might be able to completely upgrade your life in so many different ways. Oh, there you go. Now, now you can definitely hear my dog just in the background just chewing away on some food. But you can upgrade your entire life, your entire lifestyle sometimes by doing an upgrade to your house. And there's nothing wrong with that. You might not get dollar for dollar return on investment from a money standpoint, but how much of a return on your investment are you getting from the standpoint of how you enjoy your life? How when you wake up and you look at that nice kitchen, it just brings a tear in your eye. You just love the kitchen, you love the functionality, you love the new floor plan, you love the hardwoods, you you love, you know, the wet bar, whatever it is. You love the the new color of the siding. It doesn't always matter dollar for dollar what you get back from a money standpoint because you may get disproportionately high ROI from a lifestyle and enjoyment of life standpoint. And I want to leave you guys with that. That is something that I think is a very valuable part of this discussion as well. At the same time, a lot of my listeners are very cost conscious, and I think that's great. I do think that you should take both things into consideration. Definitely consider because your life things might change. You might have to, you might find that you have to move sooner than you anticipated moving, and so. Uh, maybe you intended to live in this home for 20, 25 years, and so you over-improved it, and then two years later you have to move, and now you can't get back the, all this money that you put into it. It's good to keep an eye to both things. That's where the balance is. Keeping an eye to both the money, what your ROI will ultimately be when you sell, and also keeping an eye and and your mind attuned to what your what the impact will be to you. Maybe it's worth it to spend a few extra thousand dollars to do this upgrade or that upgrade because it will just be an upgrade to you, to you and to your life in general. That's it for this week's episode. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you have any questions uh, or any comments, please go ahead and reach out to me. My contact information is in the show notes. Um, I appreciate you guys listening, rate, review, subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this show, until next time, hope you guys stay safe and have a great rest of the week.